From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. A record number of Georgians showed up to vote in the 2022 partisan primary elections this week, and incumbents won big. Conservatives across our state didn't listen to the noise. They didn't get distracted. They knew our record of fighting and winning for hardworking Georgians. Governor Brian Kemp trounced Trump-backed challenger David Perdue, capturing nearly 74% of the vote, while Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger notched a decisive win over Congressman Jody Heiss in a rebuke of false claims of election fraud. But also understood that the disinformation had run so deep and so wide that it did require me getting out and just talking to folks and giving them their information. Meanwhile, several key races are headed to June runoffs, and Democrats are looking ahead to November, led by gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams. I'm running because I believe in one Georgia. Whether it's bringing together neighborhoods, or bringing together counties, or bringing together an entire state, our responsibility is to see the needs of every Georgian, to make certain those who are doing well continue to do well. This week, we look at who won, who lost, and what it all means for Battleground Georgia. It was an early night for most candidates in Georgia's top races. After months of speculation, campaigning, fundraising, and polling, some results were anticlimactic. Governor Brian Kemp shellacked Trump-backed former Senator David Perdue with about three-quarters of the vote, and Perdue conceded the race about 90 minutes after polls closed. You know, everything I said about uh, Brian Kemp was true, but here's the other thing I said was true. He has a much better choice than Stacey Abrams. And so we are going to get behind our governor, Bonnie, I committed to him right now what Jack Kingston committed to me back in 2014, and that is there's nothing they can ask me to do that I won't do. We're going to do everything. The quest to unseat the popular incumbent ended with a whimper after six months of campaigning by Purdue, campaigning that never really took off. Kemp flexed the power of his office to give pay raises to teachers and state employees, cut taxes and push conservative policies on guns, voting rights, and abortion, and regularly touted Georgia's strong economy. Purdue's main focus was on the past, pushing false claims about the 2020 election being stolen, and voters just didn't buy it. That result resonates far beyond Georgia. It's a trend being seen across the country with incumbent governors surviving Trump challengers. It shows that endorsements don't always trump, so to speak, what voters see and experience on the ground, and that there's room for liking the former president and having a different opinion about who should implement Trump-inspired policies. Now, Kemp, for his part, looked ahead to the future in his victory speech. We have a great team in our state. No one could have predicted the unprecedented challenges that we would all face together. But we hunkered down, and we emerged stronger than ever. He's headed for a rematch against Stacey Abrams, the Democratic rising star that narrowly lost to Kemp in 2018 by about 55,000 votes. Part of Kemp's success at the polls, too, is Republicans united around beating Abrams once more. But I want to be crystal clear with all of you here tonight. Our battle is far from over. Tonight, tonight, the fight for the soul of our state begins to make sure that Stacey Abrams is not going to be our governor or the next president. And the reason that's so important, 
is because Abrams would take Georgia in a completely different direction. We don't have to wonder what she would do if she was governor. She's already told us in her own words. Some of those words include a speech last weekend in Gwinnett County, where Abrams said she was, quote, tired of hearing about how we're the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live, before she contextualized the number of poor rankings for Georgia's in areas like mental health care and maternal mortality, where Georgia rates dead last. Tuesday morning, Abrams was asked to explain those comments. I had an inelegant delivery of a statement that I will keep making, and that is that Brian Kemp is a failed governor who doesn't care about the people of Georgia. If you look at record, if you look at the results under his four years of leadership, there has been failure after failure. The race is sure to be one of the most expensive, bruising campaign battles Georgia's ever seen. So too will be the race to be Georgia's chief election official. Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger stunned most political watchers by winning outright with about 52% of the vote over election denier Jody Heiss, also backed by Trump. It feels rewarding. I took an oath to follow the law, follow the Constitution, and that's what we did. Raffensperger faced attacks from fellow Republicans for certifying the 2020 election and misinformation surrounding Georgia's voting system, and on an infamous call with Donald Trump, refused to, quote, find enough votes to overturn the election. And so for the last probably 14, 15 months, I've been traveling all over Georgia, you know, explaining to people what happened in the election of 2020, and then also clearing up all the misinformation and disinformation about the Election Integrity Act of 2021. His opponent, Jody Heiss, ran a campaign based on the false premise that 2020 was stolen and that Raffensperger let fraudulent ballots be counted, but three separate counts of the totals said otherwise. It's not completely surprising that Raffensperger won outright, though many pundits believed he would be forced into a runoff or lose. There's also data that suggests a sizable number of Democrats requested Republican ballots, possibly helping get Raffensperger over the top. Heiss also didn't campaign much, didn't spend as much money on raising awareness of his Trump endorsement, and wasn't on TV in the final part of the race. For his part, Raffensperger loaned himself hundreds of thousands of dollars and shored up his campaign with a focus on banning non-citizen voting, though that's already against Georgia law, and attacking Democrats like gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams and President Joe Biden's stances on voting rights. Plus, for all the talk of Georgia's voting law, the Secretary of State was also likely boosted by record early voting turnout. On the Democratic side, a runoff will occur on June 21st between State Representative B. Wynn and D. Dawkins-Hagler, although Wynn is in the lead. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This is Battleground Ballot Box, and we're discussing Georgia's primary election results. 
One of the marquee races with national importance is Georgia's GOP U.S. Senate primary. Former UGA football star Herschel Walker sailed to an easy victory Tuesday, beating out opponents like Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black and military veteran Latham Sadler. Walker is a first-time candidate with a lot of baggage. Allegations of domestic violence and numerous instances of overstating his business record and personal achievements. But in the end, that just didn't matter to primary voters. I don't look like a politician. I don't talk like a politician. I don't even dress like a politician because my neck is a little bit too big for this tie. <laughs> but I like not being a politician. Some Republicans are worried that Walker's untested nature and list of negatives could make him more likely to lose to Senator Raphael Warnock this fall, but the wide margins on Tuesday suggest for now there's still a lot of support. And one of the final drubbings of primary day came in a member-on-member battle in Gwinnett County-based Congressional District 7, where redistricting pitted Democrats Lucy McBath and Carolyn Bordeaux against each other after McBath's 6th district was redrawn to heavily favor Republicans. McBath, a gun safety advocate, won by a wide margin. And just before polls closed, when news of a horrific shooting at a Texas elementary school left nearly two dozen children and adults dead, McBath scrapped her victory speech and gave an emotional plea. Tonight, I came to give one speech, but I am now forced to make another. Because just hours ago, we paid for the weapons of war on our streets again, with the blood of little children sitting in our schools. We paid for unfettered gun access with phone calls to mothers and fathers who have gasped for air when their desperation would not let them breathe, who have sunk to their knees when their agony just would not let them stand. It was the phone call that every parent fears. McBath was inspired to run for Congress after her 17-year-old son Jordan was murdered outside a Florida gas station by a man angry about loud music being played. We are exhausted, all of us, the American majority. We are exhausted because we cannot continue to be the only country in the world where we let this happen again and again and again. Many of Georgia's other congressional primaries are headed to runoffs, including two where Trump-backed candidates made the cut. Jake Evans is in second behind Rich McCormick in Georgia's 6th district, and Vernon Jones is in second behind Mike Collins in Georgia's 10th district. Controversial Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene easily won in her district, and Republicans Chris West and Jeremy Hunt will square off June 21st for the right to face Democrat Sanford Bishop in Southwest Georgia's 2nd District. There were few surprises Tuesday night, but in the state legislature, House Redistricting Chairwoman Bonnie Rich lost her seat after redrawing herself a more favorable district. She was paired against Representative David Clark, who originally said he would not run again, but changed his mind and now is victorious. (music) 
Georgia's primaries saw record early voting and election day turnout, driven by interest in who will represent the political parties this fall. And much will be said about what that means for November and for Senate Bill 202's impact and much, much more. But those storylines have yet to fully unfold and we'll keep a close eye on them on this podcast. Battleground Ballot Box from Georgia Public Broadcasting is produced by me, Stephen Fowler. Our editor is Josephine Bennett. Our engineers, Jay Cook and Jesse Neiswanger wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.